Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Rolling along, hour two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Stormy Bonantoni with you live in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi, cross country out there in Jersey. In a little bit, about 15 minutes, we will have the one and only Mike Somich, Mr. Somabomb himself, who gave us mage mm-hmm. for the Kentucky Derby. He'll join us to discuss Preakness and more in a little bit. But Michael, it is time to start off this hour with a little no way or no doubt. Are you ready for it? Uh- I am ready, Stormy. Fire away. What do you got? <laughs> so basically, I what want we... your contributions too. I want. I want to hear what you got to say on this. All right, we'll see what we can do here. But uh, for anybody who has never seen the segment before, we're going to tee up Michael on some of the big headlines around the NFL and NBA as well, and see if he thinks an opinion is warranted or not. So if he doesn't like it, absolutely no way. And if he does, it's a no doubt. We were going to start with a conversation that. We began a little bit earlier in the show regarding Quinnen Williams of the Jets. And according to Fox Sports' Henry McKenna, Williams, as he's going through this contract negotiation stage, wants and could make a case for anywhere between $25 million and $30 million a year. You see comparable players at the position, Jeffrey Simmons, Deron Payne, Dexter Lawrence, all making between $22.5 and $23.5 million. And they see the big jump to a guy like Aaron Donald, who's over $31.5 million. So no way or no doubt defensive tackle Quinnen Williams is worth the payday that he is asking for. Well, there's no doubt he is worth what he can get. Now, can he get $30 million? I don't believe that's true because what he has is he has a lot of players that have had contracts redone. And so he's got Jeffrey Simmons, P- uh, Payne, Lawrence, Hargrave, and then there's even Leonard Williams' contract over at the Giants. So to me, when you look at the deal, does he want to be as close to Aaron Donald as he can? Yes. Is he better than Jeffrey Simmons? He is good. And they're close. I think that's his market. I think it's below 30. There's no mm-hmm. doubt the Jets won't pay him what they pay Donald. And uh, he is under contract for this year with the fifth-year option due to make the $9.5 million this year. For You get fined, obviously, if you miss training camp. If you miss a preseason game, you're under that fifth-year option, get, losing a game check like you would for the regular season. Do you think that there's potential he could hold out, or is this more of a hold-in situation where he comes? How do you view what happens with him? Well, players have been holding in more than they've been holding out right. because of the fine systems and what happens. And he's got to come to – the only thing he has to do in the offseason is show up for veteran minicamp. He doesn't have to do any of the OTAs. He doesn't have to do any of the phase one, two, three, whatever phase they're in. So all he's got to do is show up. If he doesn't show up for veteran minicamp, then they can find him. If he doesn't show up for training camp, then they could fine him. And the fines are so good, so great, that players do what DK Metcalf did last year, and they just kind of wait around. They wait till they get their deal done. You would think that the club would say, look, we're going to make sure that we have a close to a deal. It's kind of hard to have a guy not practicing when everybody else is practicing. To me, these deals get done because of the other deals that have been done. Right? So – 
because Simmons is done, because all these other deals are done, I suspect it will get done. Yeah, and I, I feel like money-wise, he will be in between. Like, he'll be the second highest paid. I don't think that he's going to get over 30, to your point, but being that 20, what, 22 and a half or 23 and a half is the, yeah, 23 and a half with Simmons is the next highest mark. I think that he'll get over that but nowhere close to the Aaron Donald money that he's probably looking for. But for a team in the Jets that is on the cusp of being back in the playoffs and trying to make a run for the Super Bowl, he's obviously a huge part of that. So you want him involved in as much as humanly possible. Another guy trying to get a deal. We hear Joe Burrow. He says that his contract is in the works, trying to figure out what that value is is going to be. He's entering the final deal of his original rookie contract, got the fifth-year option in hand for next year as well. And typically this is the time that we see quarterbacks get that big money deal, the extension. We also have seen now other comparable deals to know what the quarterback market is going to be with Lamar Jackson, most notably and recently getting his deal done. So no way or no doubt, Joe Burrow is going to get this contract extension done with the Bengals before the start of this season. No doubt. And, and, uh, and I, I say that very confidently because Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, has a reputation for being cheap. And I don't think that's actually fair. I think Mike Brown will pay for greatness. And I think he understands that Joe Burrow is great. And he also understands there's a market. And Mike Brown's not trying to go against the market. Mike Brown wants to fit into the market. And Joe Burrow wants to be fit into the market, but he also wants to help his team. So he's dealing with a, a kid who understands how to be a teammate, who's a good teammate. Now, that doesn't mean he takes less money, but maybe he structures the deal like Jalen Hurts did that gives this team a lot of flexibility and cap room that they're going to need to have as they go forward because they're going to want to sign other players, right? They're going to want to continue this youthful experience that they have. They're going to want to bring it in. Now, they've had Joe Mixon on the team, and they haven't done anything with him. Because, you know, they, they kind of everybody talks that they may make a move with him because his cap number and they brought in other players. But I, I think when you break down this team and you see where they have in terms of their talent level, they, they've got to get, you know, they've got to do an extension for Jamar Chase. I think that's going to be critical, you know, and, and I think ultimately there was a lot of talk that they were going to make trades in the offseason with Boyd and all that, I, I think they'll pay the money that they have to pay to get the players that they need. And I think it'll be because Joe Burrow wants to do that. And I think that he will still be the highest paid player at the position when he gets this deal done, that it will exceed that number with Lamar Jackson. Do you agree? You know, I, I, I think on an average it could, just like Hertz is, but I think the spread and the cap number are going to be as right. critical, right? I think that's going to be as critical as anything because that allows you to have the flexibility because one of the things I think Joe Burrow knows more than anything is he needs to have those receivers around him that really help him and mm -hmm. T Higgins being the main guy whose contracts up. So they're going to have to sign they're going to have to sign Chase, they're going to have to sign they they brought Orlando Brown in. They're going to have to sign these guys because that makes the team better. And I think Mixon will be the, the guy that ends up losing out because they'll sign Higgins with Mixon's money. Yeah, and you think about the quarterbacks that have had so much success by taking those more team-friendly types of deals. And obviously the, the number is nowhere near what Joe Burrow is going to get when you look at Patrick Mahomes and, and his deal, but how they've been able to sustain success in that spot. Cincinnati has gone to the AFC Championship each of the last two years, a Super Bowl appearance, and their quarterback in Joe Burrow over 4,400 yards and 34 touchdowns each of those seasons as well. Let's go back to Devontae Adams. We talked about the report earlier um, with him talking about his opinions on the Raiders offense going into this season and his discussion with the Raiders. He also, of course, made that, that big comment, said, I proved this past year I don't need Aaron Rodgers, and that's all you need to have written. Forget all the stats. That's all it is. Um, with him earning that All-Pro nod last year. So no way or no doubt that this season he will receive another All-Pro honor with Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback. No doubt. I mean, look, and I think the, that, you know, whatever the conversation is around the offense, the ball is going to Devontae Adams. Yeah. And one thing about Josh McDaniels, as an offensive play caller and as an offensive coach, he understands how to get the ball to his best player. Like, they're not going into the game saying, well, they took our player away. They're going in the game to create a game-specific game plan that will allow Adams to get the ball. And I think there's no doubt that he will have as great a season as he does.
1,516 yards on 100 receptions last year for Devontae Adams. And uh, I'm sure that Jimmy Garoppolo, as somebody who's had success, being able to get the ball out to weapons, he will find this one in, in Vegas yeah. as well. Uh, you've been talking a lot this show about the Philadelphia 76ers and what they will do next in the post-Doc Rivers era. But what about Doc himself, Michael? No way or no doubt, Doc Rivers will be a head coach again next year in the league. I was told that Toronto, the Raptors, are really interested in Doc. And I don't think there's any doubt that Doc, if he can get a job, will take a job. Now, we know Doc likes to play golf, and he likes to go to Toscano's and Brentwood. But if Toronto's there, you know, the one thing I think, what one thing about Doc that has been talked so much about is how much confidence would you have in him coaching your team that's on the cusp of winning? Can he win those game sevens? Mm-hmm. You know, was it his fault that Harden played bad? No. Was it his fault that Embiid played bad? No. But is it his fault he doesn't get his team playoff ready? Yes. I think that's got to be the biggest concern. If he doesn't get the Toronto job, I can't imagine he would get another job. I mean, look, the the Clippers let him go. You know, they made that move. Now Ty Lue's come in, and Ty Lue hasn't really improved any further than what Doc did. But the reality of it is, is, Doc has this rep of not winning close games, and that's a hard thing to shake. Yeah, and according to Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report, he still has the desire to continue coaching if the right opportunity presents itself. The open vacancies, in addition to the Raptors, are, of course, the Bucks, Suns, and Pistons. He is one of the most experienced and winningest coaches of his generation. Over 1,000 regular season wins. Of course, he has the title um, that he can claim. But it also brings me back to the conversation we had earlier about Daryl Morey's press conference and where he said certain things that he was looking for in the 76ers next head coach. He said somebody who brings leadership and accountability, who's good at tactics, who has relationships with the star players and someone who's good at recruiting star players who he wants to play for and builds a great organization. But in my mind, to your point, they're looking for somebody who can win game sevens who can close out yeah. teams when they have the yeah. opportunity when they're up three games to two at home in the playoffs. Like that is what, uh, that is what any team that gets to the postseason is looking for. Right. And the way, and I thought there was a follow-up question there, Stormy, that was great where somebody said, well, d- does, didn't Doc have all those ingredients, you yes. know, and Maury kind of stumbled around a little bit to try to answer it, you know, it's like, well, 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 you know, yeah, he did, but you know, sometimes a change is better. I also Look, like I one, of, one, to- one of the reporters who was brazen enough to say, so why, why do you think you still should have a job here? That was Howard Eskin. That was Howard Eskin who we've had on the show before. Yeah, that was, that was good. I was like, Oh, good, good on you for asking the question. Um, okay, we have to take... He didn't a- answer that either. <laughs> he, he just said he feels like he is the right man for the job, right? Something along those lines. We got to take a quick break. That music always telling me to shut up, but we have Mike Somich coming up next. We'll get his preview for the Preakness, and he always comes locked and loaded with NBA and NHL talk as well. We'll see what he's got today. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSIN, the sports bet. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com and check out the current betting splits data. If you want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way VSIN is here to make you a better, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonantoni, and we welcome into the show now, like we do every Thursday, Mike Somich, professional handicapper. Of course, you know him and love him of racingdudes.com after what we just had go down in the Kentucky Derby not too long ago. Now, Mike, you gave out Mage, and with the 148th Preakness coming up this Saturday at Pimlico Racecourse, everybody wants to know, can Mage get it done again? That's where we'll start. What do you think? Well, I mean, eight to five favorite on the morning line, probably going to go off closer to six to five. A little tough to swallow that win price after we cashed a bunch of tickets at 15 to one in the Kentucky Derby. But when you look at this field, it's it's just not a wonderful field. You've got only Mage back from the Derby. You've got seven new shooters, uh, one from Chad Brown, one from Brad Cox. You've got a Bob Baffert horse in there. They're really the three other competitors in this spot. But there's a reason those horses weren't in the Derby. <laughs> and so the competition level is definitely dropping here for Mage. The big question is, as a lightly raced horse, only run four times in his career, uh, last race was a huge effort in the Kentucky Derby. Can he come back in two weeks? Is he able to replicate that effort? I think about 90% of what we saw in the Derby wins this Preakness. I think he is a very likely winner in this spot. Hard to swallow that 8-5 to five price. So I think if you want to bet the race, you've got to find a couple ways to get creative with it. Uh, from a pace perspective, there's not a ton of early pace in this spot. National Treasure is going to be breaking from the one post. 4-1 to one on the morning line, trained by Bob Baffert. John Velasquez is going to ride. I think he gets the lead, and I think he can hold on to it for a long time. I do think Mage catches him late. So my my big bet in the Preakness here is going to be a straight three with one exacta to see if we can get a little bit of value. Get maybe you know that eight to one, nine to one range with Mage winning the race and National Treasure running in second. You know, how about first mission, Brad Cox's horse who won the Lexington Stakes? Uh, you know, it's kind of seems like maybe he's peaking at the right time. I think what is he five to two going off right now, but is he the one horse that could possibly give Mays some trouble as he closes down the stretch? If he runs his A race, he could be very, very difficult in this spot. I mentioned there's not a ton of pace in here. National Treasure probably gets the lead. Coffee with Chris, the four horse, probably stalking the pace. But then you're going to have that ace horse sitting right on the outside there. And if first mission can get a good trip and get first run and get past National Treasure, he's got a big shot to win the race. Brad Cox is very good in these spots. His win in Lexington just wasn't as impressive to me as what I think you're going to need to do to be able to win the race if Mage runs back to it. My other big issue is the price. At 5-2, to two, and I think that horse is actually going to get bet down, Michael, that's the wise guy horse in this race. Everyone that I'm hearing how they're going to beat Mage is with first mission, and I would rather try and take a little bit more of a price in National Treasure 
than the lower price in first mission, who I think is going to be a little bit over bet. And this is only his fourth career start. So he's also a more lightly raced horse here trying to take a big time step forward in competition. Mike, with this being such a small field, just an eight horse race, how much does post position really matter in a race like this? Not nearly as much. We, we spend a ton of time talking about post position and how the horses are going to break and, and the pace and, and all of that jazz for the Kentucky Derby. When you only have eight horses, you can break a step slow and it can work out. You can have two wide trips and it's okay. You're not weaving through 20 horses. So it's okay to be in seventh or eighth versus being in 16th, 17th or 18th. There's just less traffic trouble there to get more forwardly placed. Now, that being said, it's also much more likely you see a very slow pace, which means it's harder to close, which is what Mage has done the last two races. So a key for Mage here is how well can we get out of the gate and can we sit two or three lengths behind the leader? If you see Mage within two lengths turning for home, I think this race is over. I don't think anyone's able to beat him. So it's all about how he gets out of the gate and how that sets up. But you should expect good trips for everybody in an eight-horse field. You really shouldn't expect anyone to have too much trouble. You know, Red Route 1 is a closer, right? He's coming off at 10 to 1. Uh, and you talk about the pace. What would it take for Red Route 1 to win this race? He really needs the 1, the 4, and the 8 to hook up early. If, if they go, if the three of them decide they all want the lead, and, and having speed on the inside and outside is a good thing for closers because really those, those two post positions force your hand a little bit. If you're in the 1 hole, you got to go. You don't want to end up behind horses when you have a speed horse. If you're in the 8 hole, you got to go because you don't want to be forced way wide into that first turn. So the fact that two of the three speed is in the one and the eight could help Red Route 1 here. Trained by Steve Asmussen, had a very nice race last time. I actually think Red Route 1 is a great horse to be using in that third and fourth spot in the Superfectas. I mentioned how I'm going to play Mage over National Treasure in the Exacta. I'm going to come back with a Superfecta, and I'm going to play Mage over National Treasure, and then put Red Route 1, the five, the six, perform, and the eight horse first mission in both second and third. I think perform and first mission at 10 to one and 15 to one are the two long shots that are, have a good shot at hitting the board, but are unlikely to win the race. Great stuff, Mike, here with professional handicapper Mike Somich. Let's turn our attention to the National Hockey League, game one of the Eastern Conference final getting underway tonight with the Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes. And the Panthers, as an eight seed, to start things off, they go out and knock out the Boston Bruins, who are the best team in regular season history after being down three games to one in that series, come all the way back to win. Then in round two, they are an underdog again to the new favorite to win it all in the Toronto Maple Leafs. They end up winning that series in five, including the first two games on the road of that set. Here in round three, we see them as an underdog yet again to the new favorite to win it all in the Carolina Hurricanes. Are people counting them out again, or how do you view Florida in this set? Yeah, they are counting them out big time. It, it's wild to me that we're, we're still seeing, you know, I think it's plus 130, plus 135 in some places right now on the Panthers tonight. People forget this was your president's trophy winner last year, and they got rid of Jonathan Huberto and added Matthew Kachuk. Theoretically, their lineup is better this year than it was last year, and they won the president's trophy for the most points in the regular season. Bobrovsky's been playing very well in net. I, beating the Bruins, I thought, was wildly impressive. They dismantled the Maple Leafs. I mean, that wasn't even close, and it was in five games. Uh, so... If they can replicate those type of efforts, I think they're really, really tough. I bet them plus 130 this morning. Uh, I, I would recommend playing the Panthers tonight. I think anytime you're catching plus money on them right now, it's a great spot. The Hurricanes on the other side as well. If you look how they got here, I mean, they faced the Islanders, who really struggle scoring. And then they faced the Devils, who could not stop a puck. I should have been playing goaltender <laughs> for the Devils. That's how bad it was in that series. Now you're facing Bobrovsky, who has won a Vesna it's gone far in the playoffs before you're facing a team that can put the puck in the net. I, this Panthers team is for real and people are still sleeping on them. This, this series feels like just take the plus money in every game and it's going to work out for you because the Panthers are going to steal one of these two hurricanes have a good shot at taking a, a game from the Panthers at plus money down and down in Florida. So to me, catching plus plus one thirty, I think there's a ton of value there. I also sprinkled on the first period under a goal and a half here, minus one Oh five. It just seems like a spot where early in these series, you have this feeling out period and the Carolina is a very good five-on-five five team. They don't take a ton of penalties. They're going to try and slow this game down a little bit. You should see a burst from them early, but I don't think they're going to get two in the first period. So I think this is either 1-0 or 0-0 going into the second. So I played a little bit first period under a goal and a half as well. Mike, do you think that this is going to be a series that trends more to the under? Because you mentioned how great Sergei Bobrovsky has been. The Hurricanes so good defensively, and especially that PK has been such a killer. Do you think this could trend as a lower-scoring set in general? 
we've seen that year after year that the NHL playoffs have been unders. And this year it's been the exact opposite. It yeah. just feels like it's been an overfest. This series feels like that under, right? I mean, you have this, this defensively sound team in Carolina playing a very good offense in Florida, but a very good penalty to kill in Carolina as well. Two of the better goalies that we have left in the playoffs here. And Bobrovsky has been playing phenomenal. I mean, they, they shut down Toronto whose offense is exponentially better than what they are facing this series in Carolina. So this to me, I'm leaning the unders here. If I can take any under plus five and a half at even or plus money, I'll be playing that. I think first period unders are a good look this entire series. Uh, it just feels like we're going to have more of that, that grinded out playoff style hockey here in this one. Uh, she won't ask, so I will. H how confident are you in the Golden Knights beating the Stars? Uh, well, I'm a Knights fan now, which may be a bad thing. They're my last future ticket standing. I've got them at 22-1 to 1 to win the Cup from Ooh, earlier this yeah. summer. So now I'm rooting for the Knights, I guess, although I picked against them in the first two rounds, Stormy. I'm not sure it's a good thing I'm picking for them now. <laughs> The, the disrespect that the Golden Knights have gotten as the top seed in the Western Conference is ridiculous. I know you have one more play coming up today, though. The Cardinals uh, game one against the Dodgers tonight. What do you like? I like the Cardinals. You're, you're catching plus money here in this spot. Wainwright has not been good this year. It's two starts. Neither of them very good. But what you saw from the Cardinals, they had Wilson Contreras, who was behind the plate. I was a, I'm a Cubs fan. He's very bad at calling baseball games. With this <laughs> uh, slower pitch clock now, faster pitch clock, Having a good catcher to call games makes a huge difference. The Cardinals lost, I think it was 11 to 12 games. They switched their catcher since then. They're eight and two. It's amazing what it's done for that pitching staff. I think they take a step. I think Wainwright takes a step forward tonight. I like this Cardinals team at plus money. Catch them at plus 125 against the Dodgers tonight. Great stuff. Appreciate the time, Mike. Great work, Mike. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. You too. And Michael, I appreciate you asking about the Golden Knights. I had to get it in, Stormy. <laughs> I know you were too scared. You don't want to hear it. You know, he saw the roll in the pre, you know, you're like, oh, no, I can't take it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear bad news. I don't you want know? bad news. I don't want <sighs> it. And I'm like stressed emotionally because I have a futures ticket on Dallas and not the Golden Knights. And all I want is for the Golden Knights to win this series. So. Life is a conundrum for your girl currently. Lots of glowing reports have been coming out of rookie minicamps this past Whoa. week. Michael wants you to avoid the trap. We're talking it over next. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. So much to bet on in the next 30 days, and for a limited time, we here at VEASAN are here to help you out. Join us, just $9.99. We'll get you insight into daily baseball best bets, the NBA and NHL playoffs, and only VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to the daily recap of top plays made from all of our show hosts and guests. In addition, you get tools like betting splits that let you see where the money and bets are moving for each game, as well as a top VEASAN experts leaderboard where you can view records, profit, and ROI to see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand at any given time. It's really cool. Sign up now, just $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. And Michael, I was reading a number of reports and headlines coming out of all of the, the rookie mini camps over the past week and a half or so. And here are a few actual headlines and subheads for you. Bryce Young showing complete command at Panthers mini camp. Anthony Richardson puts dazzling skills on display, proves to have impactful presence. Bijan Robinson used everywhere at minicamp, looked great in individual drills and stretching periods open to media. So <laughs> while, while minicamp is definitely the first step for these players getting acclimated to their teams, like let's not anoint anybody a superstar just yet. Impactful presence is a little bit much for me here. Um, but, but when you see all of these headlines, what's the first thing that comes to you to mind when it, comes to like helping betters and helping normal people get through this information the right way. Well, we're not playing football, right? So we're doing, we're, we're in t-shirt, we're, we're at gym class. And <laughs> you know, what often happens is guys that come in, most of the rookies that come in, especially the early picks have been traveling all over the country and they've been going out and going to workouts, but they're not really in football shape. You know, they're, they're, so when they come to camp, they're kind of sucking wind. They're hard. It's they got to get in shape. So you you tend to have a per, a perception of them that maybe they're not quite ready. And some guys that can show some skills moving around, doing all that. Yeah, they look good, but we haven't played any football yet. So I would say temper it. The one thing I do know, you know, always every year you're in the league. There's always one or two players that have these incredible times in training camp or mini camps before any pads get put on 
and we, you know, and then when the pads come on, we can't, you can't find them. They just disappear. And so you have to be really careful. Like there's too many times where we used to say it when I was at the Raiders because we practiced in Alameda. The, the guy's on the all Alameda team because he never met, we couldn't make it to the roster. Yeah. So I, I think ultimately that's kind of what you have to really temper down. What I try to do in the article that I wrote for Visa Online is I try to talk about situations that, that allow the player to really shine the highest. And there's a couple of them that jumped out at me. One I left off, Sam Laporte, the tight end from Detroit, because I put Gibbs on the list. But the number one for me was Dalton Kincaid, Stormy. I think Dalton Kincaid got drafted by the most perfect team for his skill set. Before we get deeper into to Dalton and what he does well, can you talk a little bit more about the important factors for a player, period, to have success out the gate with their team? Yeah, I think they have to, it has to, the system has to match his talents, right? You know, and so, and in the situation that you use the player in, he's got to be so good and so skilled. Like Sauce Gardner last year, you know, he was really, really good and the Jets defense was good and it got a lot of attention. And so you were able to see him. Kenneth Walker might have won rookie of the year, but he got hurt. So it's about situations. Like, when I get put into this, can I shine? I didn't put any rookie. Bryce Young is perfectly lined because he's smart. He'll start probably. And if the Panthers win, he'll get the credit. So he's, you know, that's easy one to predict. But it's the ones that kind of fit perfectly into the scheme. For example, I talked about, you know, like, if you're a team like Philadelphia and you draft an outside rusher, let's say Nolan Smith, and you're playing from in front, and he ends up with eight or nine sacks, that's going to allow him to become defensive rookie of the year, even though he may have only played 25% of the plays. Mm -hmm. So what is it about Dalton Kincaid then to you that makes him such a good fit for the Bills, that makes him a player that's going to work and make an impact quickly? One of the things that has has hurt the, the Bills is they haven't been able to run the football with physicality. Because they're in 11 personnel, one back, one one receipt, one tight end. With Kincaid, he will now be the the second tight end on the field, although they'll align him like an F. So he'll be a big slot receiver. And he can block the support edge. He'll dominate that guy. It'll be a hard matchup. Defensive coordinators will not be allowed to – won't put a little corner on him because then the Bills can run the ball weak side because he'll dominate that edge. So you have to put a bigger guy. Now, when a bigger guy comes on the field, you've got to be able to cover Kincaid in one-on-one passing. And so can he win against that? Yes. So his skill set is perfect, right? He's a really good blocker. He's physical. He's tough. And he can catch the ball inside. And the Bills need that because the Bills need to be able to run the ball more out of 12. Last year, they spent almost the entire year trying to find a slot receiver. You know, McKenzie was good for him at the end of two years ago, but then he wasn't the same player. They brought Beasley back. But I think Kincaid will be the version of Beasley where he'll catch a ton of passes and he'll make a lot of plays. And I watch a lot of Pac-12 football. I watch a lot of Utah. And after seeing Brant Keithy go down with an injury, Dalton Kincaid was so incredible for Cam Rising, just a great security blanket, great hands, and so many people talking about what a pro-ready type of a player that he is. When you look at the Offensive Rookie of the Year odds going into next season, Michael, you can find him between 30-1 to and 35-1, to but there has not been a tight end who has won Offensive Rookie of the Year since Mike Ditka yeah. in 1961, yeah. so not even in the modern football era. Is it worth a long shot on somebody like him potentially yeah. to be the first tight end to break that mold because he, well, of the because, way he's used? Because he's really not – he's not, He's right. going to be a big receiver, right? Kyle Pitts, we can call him a tight end. He don't play tight end. Kyle Pitts blocks no one. Now, Kincaid can block, right? Kincaid can block. And Kincaid can play on the line wide, too. Whereas Kyle Pitts is not an on-the-line Y. He's a big slot receiver is what he is. There should be another designation of position. Slot receiver, big slot receiver. That's Pitts. Kincaid can do more. And so because of that, he's gonna, he could catch a lot of balls. I mean, he might catch 50, 60. He's going to get all yeah. those targets that Cole Beasley was going to get. And if he gets that many number targets and he catches that many passes, then all of a sudden, and the Bills win, and they win the East, and they get to the – you know. All of a sudden, people are going to say, well, that, that made a huge difference in their offense. 
Because I think what he can do is he's got a long catch radius too, which you need when you have Josh Allen. Even though Allen's improved his accuracy, he still needs receivers that can get the ball. And Kincaid can do that. I, I, I kind of dismiss the history of the tight end position because we are in a cha- where, where we are now is that there's certain there's really no true whys in the league. There's very few true whys. Yeah, he's a slot receiver in a tight end named Cloak, basically. Um, here is how the recent winners have shaken out for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Last two years each were wide receivers, and Garrett Wilson and Jamar Chase went QB-QB before that with Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray, and then running backs back-to-back years before that with Saquon and Alvin Kamara. Since 2004, quarterback has been the most selected position. You mentioned earlier Bryce Young looks like an early candidate. He's one of the favorites, as is B. John Robinson. But a fun stat for you here, Michael. Over the last 18 drafts, 14 of the eventual Offensive Rookie of the Year winners were drafted in the top 12. And if you take out offensive tackles, Bryce Young, Stroud, Richardson, Bijan Robinson, and Jameer Gibbs. And Gibbs, I know over there with the Lions, is another guy you think very, very highly of coming into this season and the fit working for him. Yeah, because they don't have to adjust the fit, right? What they're going to do with Gibbs is they're just going to say, you are our DeAndre Andre Swift. And when you look at what Swift was able to accomplish last year, when you break down his season and you look, he, you know, he wasn't healthy in all the games, right? So he only played, he started eight games, he only played in 14. But he was targeted 70 times in those games, in those games. And he had 48 catches. He would have had way more, you know, and that low, that's a low percentage of target to catches. That should be almost in the high 80s when you're a running back. And he averaged 8.3 yards per catch, which is outstanding. Now, you got to get it to nine to be great. But I think – and he scored three touchdowns. I think Gibbs just walks right in there and plays that role. You know, Swift only had 99 carries last year. He averaged five yards a carry. You know, that kind of back. I think Gibbs comes in and he's already in a role. They have the role defined. And Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, understands how to utilize Camaro from his day, which is what he did with Swift. And I think Gibbs can come in and give them an instant impact. He's good in pass protection. I don't have to worry about that. And he adds an element to a offense that's already good. And the coach knows how to use him. Yeah, and Kamara been a big comp for Jameer Gibbs. He did, as I mentioned a moment ago, one rookie of the year back in 2017. And what I love so much about Jameer Gibbs is just how fast he is. Yes, he ran the 4.36 at the Combine, but you see it on tape, like the acceleration that he has as a player is is really, really fun to watch. Gibbs led the Tide in both rushes and receptions his junior year, and we haven't seen a running back do that and receive round one draft capital since Christian McCaffrey. So if that's any indication as to the type of player that he could potentially be at the next level, you got to love what you have on tape. There are still a couple more players that I want to discuss with you as it pertains to being able to elevate their game and stand out their rookie season. So we will get to that as we close out the Lombardi line. And I may or may not have a bet in the NHL tonight, Michael. (laughs) I know you do, Stormy. (laughs) I know you do. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on... 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Plus, if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points. Those you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located here on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Last segment here on the Lombardi line. Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi with you. Holding things down at our VSIN studio in Las Vegas, but coming from your cross country, Michael. And we were breaking down all of the intricacies of the latest article you put out discussing, yes, contenders for Offensive Rookie of the Year, but ways to understand why or why not a rookie might have a successful season, which leads us to our pro tip here that we do every single show, that in order to win Rookie of the Year, Michael, the scheme must match the talent, and most of all, the team needs to win games in order for a player to take that honor. No no question about that. And I think let's go further on Detroit, right? We talk about Gibbs being – Really important. Sam Laporte, the kid they drafted at the top of the second round. Remember, they traded TJ Hawkinson after seven games. And Hawkinson had, had what, I think he had like 40-some targets and 26 catches. Laporte's going to walk right in there, and he's going to be this slot receiver. He's going to be moved around quite a bit. And because of their ability offensively to move the ball in that offensive line, he's going to put up some really good numbers as well. So he's someone to consider too. And I know we're in this, you know, tight ends don't really win rookie of the year, but I think it's going to be like Bijan Robinson on paper. Yeah. Could he, but they've got some Algiers, a good back Hundley's a good, they got backs there, you know, and I don't know how they're going to utilize them. I think the other thing you have to factor in is they got to help the team win. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sauce Gardner helped the Jets establish their defensive dominance last year. I mean, that, that's what made the Jets. It was obvious. Same with Grabeel Wilson, even though he wasn't getting the ball, you know, on a regular basis because of the quarterback. But they, they showed so much in the in, in the biggest city of the world, you know, that they could do that. So I think it's got to, all those factors have to come into play. And with the Lions, they were a team that, Everybody loved coming out of hard knocks, right? And and Dan Campbell and talking so highly about them. They get off to this one and six start. Everybody's pretty down on Detroit. 
And then they close the season so, so strong that the expectations coming into this year are really high. And the way that the division has changed with Aaron Rodgers coming out of it, it seems like there's a lot of opportunity for the Lions, hence why we see their win total at nine and a half. And if a team is is poised to get double-digit wins, it makes sense if one of their stars is a rookie for them to be there in the the rookie of the year category. Um, what is it? Yeah, eight of eight of their last ten games of the season, they end up winning. So Jameer Gibbs, somebody we talked about a good bit. Another player that you are targeting in this offensive rookie of the year discussion, Jackson Smith in Jigba. Why do you think he's such a fit in Seattle? Well, because they've got great skill out there. And I think when we all, when we look at receivers, we, you know, who's going to get doubled? Who, t- who, Where does the coverage go to? Who do they take less of? And Seattle, for, you know, what they've been doing the last few years, they did two rookie tackles that played, at, started every game as rookies. They got Metcalf on the outside. Lockett's a really good player. Noah Fant catches a lot of passes. So, you know, who who's going to get one-on-one coverage? And Jigba, he's in the slot, you know, and, and he's going to be able to get the ball there. Last year, you know, they, they, would put, they would put Lockett in the slot. They would move around. But I think this kid is a really good slot receiver, the talent, most talented receiver in the draft. He's got the ability to catch inside. He can win. He's not the fastest guy, but he's a savvy route runner. And the fact that he can play in there with the talent that they have on the outside and the protection if the quarterback gets, this is really good. Then layer in the running back situation. I think the the back makes the slot receiver more effective. And when you have a back like Kenneth Walker or Charbonnet that they drafted from UCLA, I think that's how you say his name, Charbonnet, Stormy. Charbonnet, yeah. Charbonnet, that that gives them another element. This offense is really well stocked. It really is, and it worked well. And if Geno protects the ball like he did last year, there's a great opportunity. And I think Njigba is going to make a lot of plays and catch a lot of passes and convert a lot of third downs. And Seattle was a playoff team last year. I think if you're going to win Rookie of the Year, you got to be on a good team. Yeah, first receiver taken in this year's draft for a reason. And, of course, you you mentioned it in the article and just there as well, coming off of the injury. But all of the reports and him talking to media said that he feels 100%. Obviously, they want to take things a little bit slow here in the offseason. But that he's going to be back great, healthy, and ready to go from day one is awesome for Jackson Smith and Jigba in that offense. Do you think Seattle could push the 49ers in the division for the NFC West? I do. I, I think Seattle, for the first time, you know, when you break down their roster, look, they got to get better defensively. They were, you know, they and, and, you know, the thing that's a perception, too, more than anything, is Seattle, oh, well, you know, they have a home field advantage. Well, that didn't really manifest itself last year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't win the home games that you thought they would. But I think getting Jermont Jones in there really helps them, gives them a three technique. You know, Jared Reed, who they've had before, they bring him back. I mean, he's another physical guy that they could play. They're still probably short a pass rusher, but I do think they're getting better defensively. You know, Jordan Brooks makes a ton of tackles. They bring Bobby Wagner back, gives him some more leadership. They changed who they are coverage-wise. They're different. I I like Seattle's team, and they got a great punter, and they got a great kicker. You know, and those two things matter when you're trying to make playoff runs. You got a kicker that that can make make that that's the closer because they are the Mariano Rivera. And when you have a great kicker, it's the closer. And when you have a punter that can control field position, it helps your defense. They're probably a draft away from becoming a really good defense. I think Weatherspoon helps them. I think he's going to be a really good cover guy to go along with Woolen, who had so many interceptions last year. They're close. I really think they're close. Look, you you're a fan. You saw that game last year. They had a chance to. They turned that ball over as they were driving it down again. They moved the ball on San Francisco effectively. Yeah, Pete Carroll is, always makes things tough on the 49ers. Devin Witherspoon, by the way, 9-1 to one in the defensive rookie of the year market. Deontay Banks, somebody that you were drawing folks' attention to in the article, he's a 20-1 to one shot in the defensive category. Yeah, and, and why do I like Banks over some of these other corners? Like Gonzalez, I think Gonzalez has got really good talent. But the way New England plays – you know, they're not an instant pass rush team. They're kind of going to take it away. Now, J.C. Jackson was able to make a lot of plays on the ball. You know, last year we saw them have picks. Jock Jones made some plays. But I think when they when a corner that, that understands the defense and can cheat a little bit, like when you're playing for the Giants, they're going to run overload pressures. The ball's going to come out quick. They're going to attack the protections. And if you're really good at the top of the route, 
like Banks is, then you're going to have a chance to get your hands on a lot of footballs. And if you get those interceptions, that's going to get you rookie of the year, especially if the Giants, who were a playoff team last year, if they strengthen that area of their secondary. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all manifests itself. I think Banks was a good player. I like Emmanuel Forbes, too, here. But I think Emmanuel Forbes, what I wrote the column was, Washington doesn't put that overload. Pro- they rely on their four guys. They have blitzes, obviously. But they want their four guys to get there. And they want to be able to to rely on the coverage a little bit at times. And I think ultimately that lends itself to getting sacks. It doesn't lend itself to getting interceptions, which is why the Washington football team only had nine interceptions last year. Yep, makes a lot of sense. And with Banks, I know that he was a player you really, really liked coming into the draft before you even found out where he was going to be going. So now you combine that with the fit. Certainly will work. Last minute and a half here, Michael. I do just want to express some of my feelings. Tell me. On tonight's Eastern Conference Final. Okay. So similar to what we were talking about with Mike Somich, he liked the under in the first period, under one and a half goals tonight for the Hurricanes and Panthers. And I agree with the thought process that this is going to be an under type of a series. And so now that I have seen that goal total for tonight be at six, I am definitely taking the under. Sergei Bobrovsky has been outstanding for the Panthers this postseason. 918 save percentage, 282 goals against, an NHL postseason best plus 9.3 goals above expected, and five-on-five defense has been great for them. They didn't allow the Maple Leafs more than two goals in that series, which is just stunning to think about with how high-octane of an offensive team Toronto is. And the Hurricanes are even better defensively, and Freddie Anderson might have been even better than Sergei Bobrovsky in net. So the under is my favorite way to play tonight's game, and I might be targeting that angle depending on how tonight goes throughout the series. And then for the Western Conference starting tomorrow, Michael, I think I'm Uh-oh. just gonna I think I'm just gonna have to bet it game by do? game. I like my Golden Knights at home, game one, minus 125, a short home favorite against the Stars. Let's get it going. Let's start this series on a high note, Michael. What do you say? I, I'm all for you, Stormy. I don't know enough about hockey to go one way or the other, but I'm all for I'm on team Stormy on this one. I appreciate you. I think it's gonna be a long, hard fought series, but think the VGK get it done in the end. Going to be a lot of star power on display. That's a wrap for today's edition of the Lombardi Line VEASAN Best Bet. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.